in the morning. When you want the news, you need the front page every hour on the press box. Nothing's writing on this except the uh, First Amendment, the Constitution, freedom of the press, and maybe the future of the country. Not that any of that matters. And now, the news. Oh, we've got Kyle Long drama. Kyle Long taking shots at the Raiders. So Kyle Long, a guard coming out of retirement, met with the Raiders, came here, visited with John Gruden, but then he left and went to Kansas City. And then he ended up signing with Kansas City. He was supposed to go take visits with other teams, but he said, nope, I'm signing here with Kansas City. And yesterday, when talking to the media, Kyle Long, when asked about the difference between Las Vegas and Kansas City, said, quote, it becomes apparent that things are different here. So how bad was his visit with John Gruden and the Raiders? I hope he's talking about just football. Because <laughs> there's some things on the opposite side there that, uh, in terms of uh, Kansas City. Um, yeah, or either that or, you know, he, was, he worked out, right? He had the workout the, the second day he was here. and Like I was saying yesterday, like, it was, you know, everyone thinks it's the greatest thing in the world. And then when he goes to Kansas City, that workout must have stunk. <laughs> must, have had, must have had a horrible workout. I was like, you don't know that. Nobody knows that. I mean, maybe, look, I'm sorry. Maybe he's talking about, I went to Kansas City and they had Pat Mahomes meet me at the facility. I'm like, that guy's pretty good. I'm going to go block for that guy. I mean, I, who knows? I mean, Kansas City's the best team in the division. They go to Super Bowls. I mean, he's, he's he, look, he's he didn't come out of retirement to play 10 more years. So, he, obviously, he's a year-to-year guy at his age, and he just came out of retirement. Maybe he's like, yeah, I got the best chance to win with these guys. I mean, if you're deciding between those two. It yeah, is, especially if you're a short-term guy. Yeah, it's a no-brainer right. to go with the Chiefs. In Kansas City, it's just an interesting way to phrase it when you say it becomes apparent that things are different here. Because maybe, maybe he is just referring to the fact that they have Patrick Mahomes and they're a legitimate Super Bowl contender. But I'd be willing to bet there's a little bit more to that than just, oh, they've got a better chance to win. What could it have been? What could the uh, Raiders have done to turn I don't know. I don't know I what mean, they would have said to him. What they said? Guys, it's got to be that they went, all right, well, we're also planning on signing another running back, so we're going to go one, two. So you're going to constantly be run blocking. Yes. And he went, okay. And then the, the, he saw Patrick Mahomes, and Patrick Mahomes was like, yeah, you just need to hold the guy for like yeah. a second. I'll be good. Gruden telling him you got to block for Jacobs and the Joker. He's like the joke. The Joker's too much. I can't block for the Joker. I can't believe they're calling him the Joker because he's going to run and catch. Like that's some another thing in the NFL. A Joker is not a running back. A really good Joker is Christian McCaffrey. He's the Joker. No, he's not a Joker. (laughs) There's got to be a wild card element. Just running and catching is not wild. You know who's a Joker? Ronnie Brown. Yes, Lynn Bowden was the Joker because he played cornerback at Kentucky. Some so there was some. uh Oh, he might throw it factor there. That's now Kenyon Drake is just a normal. Okay, running back. But you and I both know the first media availability with Gruden, he will call him a joker. He will. No Absolutely. doubt about no it. No doubt about that. But He'll it's, it's he's just a, like, this is like some new thing to John Gruden that running backs are allowed to catch yeah. the ball. It's fascinating. He's like, yeah. oh, it's the joker. That guy, he's the joker. It's like, no, no. Everybody's doing that already. You don't get to call him the joker. Man, you know, that's a great question. Richard Patino has a six-year deal at New Mexico. It's worth $4.975 million, which uh, works out to about $800,000 a year. Uh, According to the Albuquerque Journal, his buyout has not been finalized yet, which I thought was an interesting detail that he's announced the contract details are signed and everything, but they still haven't figured out the buyout. But how do you feel about Richard Patino making $800,000 a year? 
Uh, I think I've got to be honest because in New Mexico, they have a lot of support. I don't know their finances. I mean, this was a really bad year for everybody, and we know what happened with the pandemic and them and being on the road the whole time. So I'm sure they're trying to make up money somewhere. But there's no, there's few better places, I guess, to coach the Mountain West if you win because you will be those, – those people will support you to the end. Now, they haven't won lately, but we've seen Alford when Fraschilla was there. We're like, you're winning at that place, man. You get great support. So – I don't know. I guess I thought it was a little low. Yeah, I, I think I think it's a good deal for New Mexico uh, to get Richard Pitino for only $800,000 yeah. a year. Because, I mean, he'll be in the upper half of Mountain West pay, but he's not going to be topping Dutcher or Otzelberger. Well, Otzelberger's gone. But, Alford. Or Alford. So it's it's. I think it's a good deal for New Mexico. Now, if Richard Pitino comes in and starts winning, he's going to get an extension and they're oh, going to yeah, be absolutely. paying him They love lower. to win there. Yeah. But... When your starting point is eight hundred thousand dollars, if you know, and if we're looking in two or three years, you know, he's made the NCAA tournament or won a Mountain West title or something like that. Like, okay, you get a raise. It might only be up to one point one million dollars, which would still be, you know, yeah. good for a team that's in the NCAA tournament from the Mountain West. So I, I thought it was a good deal from New Mexico. The only real concern there is that it's six years, and if he's no good after three, you're still got three more years looking around saying what we do. But the actual money part, I thought, was pretty good. Great question. Thank you. Will Fuller signed a one-year deal with the Dolphins. It's worth a little bit more than $10 million, but he's got a one-game suspension, so ultimately he's only going to get $10 million because he'll miss one of those 16 game checks. One year, $10 million for Will Fuller. Should the Raiders have considered that? That was getting in the range we both had talked about of what you would do for the second-level guy. But... I guess yesterday I would have said no, but then they signed Kenyon Drake for 11 million. Yeah. Yes. So like now, actually they should have signed Will Fuller for 13 instead yes. of 10. So yeah, but he, yeah, I guess he can't run the ball, Ed. He, he only catches it. He's not a joker. So yeah, I mean, I thought to seriously before after they signed him, I'm, and then you see Will Fuller, I'm like maybe go down that road because you you definitely need you know depth at receiver. I know they brought Zay Jones back, and it seems like they're not going to be much different at receiver except one guy. But yeah, I. I'm fine with it for the, you know, in, in terms of Will Fuller getting that because of what the Raiders did. I was expecting Fuller to sign for more. I think Pro Football Focus had him pegged at seventeen and a half million per season. Wow, was their projection for? And Why? to me, that was you know too much money to pay to Will Fuller. That's too much. Even though you know after Allen Robinson got tagged, uh, Fuller was the number two wide receiver on the market behind Galladay. It still, it was like that to me was way too much for the Raiders to consider. But $10 million, I still think it's probably best that they went cheaper with John Brown. But I, when you get down to $10 million for Will yeah. Fuller, you're getting in the conversation of that would have been a worthwhile thing to explore for the Raiders. And, and maybe they didn't. Maybe Will Fuller was like Kyle Long and said, I don't want to be here. But like to me, that got to a price where uh, maybe you should have considered it because $10 million, especially, especially on a one-year deal, Ten million, yeah, right. not a lot if that guy gives you number one wide receiver production or even number two wide receiver production. No, I mean, then next year we'd say, you know, he got a huge deal like Aguilar because he bet on himself. Bet on himself. And he, everyone bets on themselves and lead the Raiders. <laughs> like, that's the thing now. Like, they, bet on myself, I'm going to go get a better deal. That's a great, great question. Andy Dalton said yesterday that the Bears, quote, told him he was the starter. Do you want to hear him say it? Yes. Do, do we have more than just the sentence? Oh, no, no, no. They, they told me I was a starter. That was one of the reasons why I wanted to come here. And so every conversation I've had is uh, has been that. So that's the assurance that I've got. All right. What are the Bears doing? $10 million for your they starter? They are screwing over their fans. 
Actually, you know what? All right, in this entire scenario, I think the, the, the guy that gets the most blame is probably Andy Dalton's agent. Because you're telling me he negotiated the contract for a guy that's expected to be the starter, and Andy Dalton's only getting $10 million yeah. to be a starter? Who's signing a starting quarterback for $10 million? Well, and the other thing is we know what they reportedly offered for Russell Wilson, right? So then you come to the conclusion in the room – Andy's our starter for $10 million, then you know what? Then why not throw in another first-round pick and get Russell Wilson? <laughs> like, why don't you just keep up in your offer? Because if the because if the alternative is Andy Dalton as your starter, I'd keep calling Seattle back. Well, okay, what is it really going to take? Because we don't need Andy Dalton as our starter, right? I mean, so now you're stuck with him. You didn't get Russell Wilson, and you won't be any good. I mean, I will say $10 million for your starter is – Well, that's part That's good, good for yeah. the Bears. The problem is is – who the starter Dalton. is. It's Andy Dalton, and you're not catching the Packers with Andy no. Dalton as your quarterback, uh, especially when they also had to release their best cornerback at the same time. Like the reason, the reason ten million for your starting quarterback is good is because you can spend money elsewhere. But for some reason, they also had to get rid of their best cornerback. So there's no way the Bears are catching Aaron Rodgers and the no. Packers next no. year with Andy Dalton at quarterback. Next question. Oh, more. Bears quarterback news because Mitch Trubisky signed with the Bills a one-year deal. He'll be the backup to Josh Allen. Uh, I haven't seen the money on it, but I'm assuming he's not getting the Marcus Mariota $11 million deal to come in. Uh, Mitch Trubisky, you think he ever like is given a starting job again in the NFL? Yeah, I'm not sure. I mean, when the GM who signed you says, I don't, uh, he started 50 games in Chicago, and he doesn't think it's going to be a long-term option. I mean, I don't know, what does that mean? I mean, I guess he's bringing him for a year and I, I wouldn't be too – when I see that from the gym, I wouldn't be too, too worried if I'm Josh Allen in terms of losing my job to the guy. He's 26. He might just be end up being a guy at 26 who just keeps bouncing around and, you know, just keeps like, getting these backup deals and, you know, make you can make some money doing that. It's not the worst job in the world. Blaine Gabbard. Like, yeah, I mean, what ch- if you're a first-round quarterback, you have to be, like, Blake Bortles-level incompetent. Not to be a backup, at least. To not to, yeah, to not yeah. to be a backup. Isn't Trubisky kind of at that level? Well, I mean, he may he may wind up on someone's practice squad eventually, but you know, you got to give him the first contract to be like, oh, he's not even backup good. Twenty nine and twenty one as a starter. I got to be honest, with you, I thought I think that's better than I thought it would be. Oh well, the Bears weren't awful. The Bears had a lot of like eight. The hell, they made the playoffs two in yeah, the last three yeah. years. Like, terrible selection in two thousand eighteen. They're not terrible because they've had a great defense. They just Mitch Trubisky has some terrible games. Hell, Mitch Trubisky had some good games to end the season last year. They were actually decent down the stretch offensively. It's just you know it's Mitch Trubisky, and you're only going to get four of those in a year, and the other twelve games are going to be awful. Next question. Uh, here's some tight end news. Here's a, here's a John Gruden signing we definitely would have expected. They re-signed Derek Carrier, a one-year deal to get the blocking tight end back in here. We talked last year about Jason Witten stealing all of Foster Moreau's snaps. He stole Derek Carrier's snaps, yeah. too. Poor Derek Carrier. Yeah. Too bad he's back. Big Wit left. It's so too had, bad he's back. It, it, to, no, it's good for him, <laughs> but uh, Big Wit left, so Carrier gets the one-year deal. And, uh, I mean, if John Gruden doesn't have two fullbacks and six tight ends, then there's something wrong, right? So, I mean, this was an obvious thing for them to do. Yeah, he His saw, offense doesn't work. Yes. <laughs> he saw Bill Belichick loading up yeah, on tight ends exactly. and thought, oh, crap, we don't yeah. have Derek Carey. We don't signed. have enough tight ends. Go get him. Go sign Derek Carey. That's who we need. And once again, Bradley came running out of the lab. Another <laughs> offensive player? You guys promised me when I got here that you'd sign defensive players. Who's carrying? <laughs> Man, you know, that's a great question. 
Uh, tight end Jared Cook signed with the Chargers. He was with the Saints the last few years after he left the Raiders. It's a one-year deal worth just $6 million. They had to replace Hunter Henry, who the Patriots gave a big contract to. Um, I am a little bit excited to see Jared Cook score a touchdown against the Raiders, though. Uh, yeah, I mean, he's, it was good. I think that's a good signing for $6 million. He's a good player. Yeah, he's I, I don't know where he's at in his career, but, I mean, Hunter Henry was a bad – that was a tough loss because he's really good. Uh, so $6 million for him, play the Raiders two times a year, he'll get at least one. Yeah, I want – He'll be screaming at her. I want him like, to spike it in me. the end zone yeah. and at stare Allegiant. John Gruden down. At yeah, Allegiant, yeah, exactly. So you let me go and yeah. – oh, you had Darren Waller. Okay, yes. that was probably a good <laughs> idea. <laughs> one of the two best, three best tight ends in the game. All right, coming up next, we'll jump into the Golden Knights as they're playing Ed's favorite L.A. Kings tonight. You're sitting in the press box with Graney and Bischoff on ESPN Las Vegas. Follow them on Twitter at Ed Graney and Bischoff underscore Tyler. We are at the Westgate. The NCAA tournament getting started in just about an hour. If you want to come down and check out all the games, the Westgate is the place to be today. Ed, how are you feeling about your Kings tonight? Kings... Golden Knights. How far are the Kings out of a playoff spot? Only a few points. Only a few points. I think it's like three points. Win tonight. They're doing well. They're uh, three behind St. Louis for the four spot. People can give me a hard time if they want. It wasn't a horrible pick. They are playing better than people thought they were going to play. No one would have thought at this point they were ahead of Arizona. I think San Jose State and Anaheim we knew stunk. But they're ahead of Arizona. And I think people thought coming in this year like Arizona was kind of one of those teams that maybe could get fourth. But uh, Kings are playing well. Be interesting. I think we're both interested in, like, I mean, it's obviously going to be this weekend because they play back-to-back Sunday money, but when does Leonard get back? I mean, you say that until they play well, Flurry in every game. What if, if, look, <laughs> if they play this guy, now that Leonard's back, backing up and actually on the ice, if they play Mark under Flurry Friday, Sunday, Monday, then I'll never cover nothing. It's like at that point you throw up your hands like, you know what, whatever. I mean, so, no, he'll, he'll play this weekend. He should. Do you, do you think he plays tonight? Um. Ah, it's a great question. Because if he plays tonight, he's going to play two out of the three. Yeah. Flurry's not going to go back-to-back. So they play, St. they play St. Louis on Monday. I mean, at this point, if he's ready, I don't know if it matters who they're playing at this point in the season. So off he plays tonight, we're going to give him two out of three. But maybe I think maybe Flurry, and then he gets – maybe Leonard gets Sunday and then Flurry comes back against St. Louis on Monday. Yeah, I, it was it was interesting that, you know – He's back, but not starting, but he was the backup. Right. Yeah, so, so he's back. Obviously, yeah. they think he's yeah. in play because, you know, if Flurry gets hurt, Leonard would have been the one that would yeah. have had to go into the game at some point. So obviously, he's got to be ready. I'm just curious when they actually put him back into a game. Do we want to play the audio of him talking about injuries and concussion from a couple days ago? We do. Did I say San Jose State? When? San Jose State. Oh, I thought I said San Jose State and Anaheim. Oh, you might have instead yeah. of just San Jose. Yeah, I got, I've done that I got, before. I got caught on the text. I've there. done that before. Yeah. San Jose State. Yeah, what are you going to do? I want to play that. I'd like to play the okay. audio. So here is so Robin Leonard, the context here, he missed uh, more than a month of time. We didn't know what his injury was. There was a lot of speculation as to why Robin Leonard was missing so much time and there was no update on it. And uh, he got asked about that from Dave Shane of the Review Journal. Robin, I'm going to be careful how I ask this. There were some whispers going around the league a little bit that you weren't hurt. My question to you is, did you hear that? And does it 
anger you that you didn't get the benefit of the doubt while you were away? Uh, uh, yeah, I mean, I did hear it. That's why, and the only reason why I'm telling you guys that I had a concussion right now. Uh, it's the nature of uh, society. Um, I've said this many times before without going on a rant. Uh, the stigma around mental health is uh, insane. Uh, everyone deals with it. I don't care what anyone says. Everyone deals with it in some form or another during their life. Right now during COVID, a lot of people do. But, uh, uh, and that's also why the stigma is really hard for the progress of uh, getting people better because people have to hide it or people you know, talk and say these things. And uh, I think uh, I should get the benefit of the doubt from it because I've been honest with it. Uh, if I would have those issues again, which uh, uh, are not happening, I would be honest uh, about it. Uh, and uh, it's, uh, it's unfortunate. It's unfortunate because uh, a mental health problem is no different than a, a knee problem or a shoulder problem or something like that. It's treatable, except the stigma, at the, uh, you know, the, the stigma makes it harder for people that struggles with mental health, uh, health uh, stuff. I mean, a, a person that uh, keep having MCL or ACL surgeries throughout his career still gets a shot, still don't get, uh, get looked at the same way as someone that might have, have a couple of mental issues that they figure out with a psychiatrist instead of a doctor, uh, get a medicine instead of a surgery, you know, and uh, um, it's way more, uh, common for a lot of people it's just people can't say it and that's unfortunate but that's why I'm honest with by saying I, I had a concussion uh, teams usually don't say those things but I thought it was important to to say that because I've heard those uh, those rumors that oh maybe he's back at rehab or whatnot you know but it's what it is so have we and by we I mean fans and media have we failed people like Robin Leonard in the way we talk about injuries or mental health or assumptions about injuries and mental health? Yeah, I, I mean, I think in a way we have, I, especially kind of the mental health uh, aspect of it, because I do agree with them that at some level we all probably, uh, you know, um, uh, deal with this. And I think, you know, talking about an ACL for some reason is easier for people to talk about than mental health. Uh, I will give a shout out because this could have gone really bad. And I'll say Dave asked a tough question, and, and because we had all, you know, you, you had heard it. And obviously we hadn't talked to him, so no one could have asked him about it. Um, so I thought Dave asked a really good question and a hard question to ask because it could have been, you know, he could have responded in a different way. So, But it was eloquent. We talked to Darren Millard the other day about it. Um, it was informative. And let me ask you this because I asked Darren Millard this. I do not know the answer to this. But if he heard the whispers, and I know media heard the whispers, it just goes to a little in disbelief that the Golden Knights wouldn't have heard something. And had they heard that, should they not have been more clear about this is a concussion? Now, Darren was right, because I do remember, and you might have been on them, I do remember a couple Zooms where Pete DeBoer didn't say concussion, but he said words like you're thinking, okay, he's got a concussion, something's wrong, he's got yeah. a concussion or something, but he didn't come out and say it. And I just think if they knew it, and I don't know if they did, but let's say they did, I think you, just, I think you owe it to him to say, look, it's a concussion. The Golden Knights failed Robin Leonard here, too, because the Golden Knights are so strict about we're not telling anybody anything about injuries so that when Robin Leonard is gone for a month and the Golden Knights just 
don't say much of anything about it. It's where the hell's Robin Leonard? And this is where the Golden Knights' refusal to give any sort of injury updates hurts their players. It hurts Robin Leonard for them not to say, oh, he's out with a concussion, right? Because what the timeline here of, of information about Robin Leonard's injury was he shows up to a game and then leaves on his own when he's supposed to start, and Marc-Andre Fleury and ends up went starting to the arena. Yeah, went to the yeah. arena, went home. Pete DeBoer, the first time he's asked about it after that, said that Robin Leonard tweaked something. Right. And that was it. That was the only information that was given about Robin Leonard for like three weeks. And then three weeks later, when he's talking about Robin Leonard again, he uses the word, well, he's got to get through the protocol. And that's what he's I got heard. a clear like, symptom. Yes, where you're like, and, okay, and we don't really know how long until he's back when he basically let on it's a concussion. So they start off saying it's a tweak, and you would never describe a concussion as a tweak. No. That's not a Most tweak. people thought it was his shoulder right. because that's where he seemed to get hit with right. the puck. A tweak is like a muscle issue right. or something like that. And then three weeks later, you're describing a concussion. Meanwhile, everybody's like, everybody's like, where the hell's Robin Leonard? And that's where the Golden Knights failed Robin Leonard is if they if they were transparent about injuries, if they came out and said, hey, so-and-so's out because of blank, so-and-so's out because of this injury, hey, Robin Leonard, he, he, had, he didn't pass the concussion test. We had to send him home. We don't know when he's going to be back. Nothing happens. We're, we're, there's not a single conversation about it. We're, well, we might say, when is Robin Leonard going to be back? Because, you know, you're waiting on the guy to come back and Flurry's playing every game. But there's no speculation as to it. It's just, yeah, he's got a concussion. He's got to clear the protocols before he comes back. But the Golden Knights are horrified of giving any injury information. And especially in this one, this is why it looks stupid. Because why are you afraid to give injury information? Well, because the other team's going to target that that's, player? That's the other thing. Is somebody He's targeting, a targeting Robin Leonard's so, head? I mean, I guess they're making what? You're thinking they're going to make runs into him? And that doesn't make any sense for right. them because it's not going to help them. And the other thing about this with the Golden Knights is, and you might think this is right, you might think this is wrong, I'm not sure. But when a player has been very open about that particular thing in terms of mental illness when he won the masters and he talked about it when he taught he's talking when he first got there i was around the scrum when he talked about it when you know that when he's out that long i think you owe it to him to say what it really you is do. you absolutely because do. if you because whether people out there agree with this or not like tyler said we're both in the media if a person who's had these things and you might think this is wrong but this is what reality is and he's out that long that is what people will start thinking. Even the media as well. It's like, where is this guy? Like, right. what is wrong with him? And it's so easy to say he's got a concussion. Because like you said, when he comes back, he, you know, it, it's like, uh, don't say it's a shoulder because, you know, it's a, it's a wing. You might get run into the boards. Don't say it's a knee because they might try and take a – he's a goalie. And he has a concussion. So what do they think is going to happen when he clears protocol right. and he's back? If, they, I mean, if somebody takes a run at Robin Leonard's head, no they're going to that. be severely punished yes, exactly. by the referees no in the NHL. No one's going to do that. So it's, yeah, it, it's just to me, this is where it hurts the actual players that the Golden Knights don't give out injury information. Because, again, we don't know. Why is a certain player out? We have no idea. We have literally no clue why a certain player is not playing. And it leads to people speculating. And Robin Leonard's case is the extreme example of how that's a bad thing. Well... The extreme example was Eric Howla has a lower body injury. He's out day to day, and then we saw Eric Howler, Howla, and the knee brace on him was bigger than the Westgate we're sitting in right now. He got like, stretchered. That, he got stretchered off the yes, ice. Yes, he got stretchered off the ice. He got stretchered off the ice. You saw what happened to his knee. The, again, the, the brace on it is big as a mountain, and they're like, he's day to day. It's like what? <laughs> or the other night, as the screen grabs off the TV, 
Petrangelo with a cast on his hand. Uh, we don't think it's long-term. Yeah. Well, nothing, okay. nothing on Petrangelo. No, nothing on him. Nothing. No, nope, we don't know. <laughs> uh, now he's on long-term IR. All right, coming up next, Austin Gale from Pro Football Focus will join us as we'll jump back into NFL free agency. Play as a team that when we're all done, you know, that it is a fast, physical team that gets the ball out, that's aggressive on the perimeters. You know, that type of mindset, that's an effort-based defense. Yeah. You know, and I think if that's when someone comes into our building, our stadium, and that's the way they're talking about us, uh -huh. then you know we're, we're starting to head in the right direction. We're back to the Press Box Morning Show with Ed Greeny and Tyler Bischoff. Be part of the conversation on the Finley Kia text line at 69187. Finley Kia, come see a Kia on West Sahara. Joining us now from Pro Football Focus is Austin Gale. Follow him on Twitter at PFF underscore Austin Gale. Uh, Austin, I'm going to be a little bit lazy as a host, and instead of asking you a question... I'm just going to give you two words and let you go wherever you want with this. So here's your two words. Kenyon Drake. Overpaid. I mean, this is a backup running back backing up a first-round pick in Josh Jacobs being paid $5.5 million per year on average across $11 million guarantee. $3 million in, I think, year one. $8 million cap hit in 2022 for a backup running back, let me mind you, when you're going to be looking to extend the first-round pick in Josh Jacobs. I can't believe it. I'm really surprised. In a league where... The market is so inefficient at the running back position where teams are overpaying for running backs left and right. You jump into that fire. I don't understand it necessarily. And I think some people have said, you know, if slash when Josh Jacobs get hurt, you're going to be laughing. Kenyon Drake's going to throw in admirably. No, you're going to look like a bigger idiot because you drafted Josh Jacobs that could be replaced by a Kenyon Drake in the first round. That's the problem. <laughs> this is this is the problem. It's like, oh, man, you know how Gruden, how smart he'll look when Josh Jacobs gets hurt and Kenyon Drake plays well? No, he'll look even worse because he drafted Josh Jacobs in the first round. But Austin... Kenyon Drake is a joker. We've been told you know he's a joker. joker. He can do he can Lynn, do it all, baby. Lynn Bowden Jr. Yes, was a joker. Yes, he Lynn was Bowden the joker. Jr. was a joker. Yes. Drafted in the third, third round with the yes. 80th overall pick and traded literally before the season started for a fourth round pick. I haven't seen a joker work out since the dark night. This is a better Joe's a better joker. Is, is there a problem that John Gruden considers running backs that can just simply catch to be jokers? I mean, they also re-signed Theo Riddick. They still have Jalen Richard. <laughs> Obviously, those guys could be cap casualties or cut before the season starts. But, it's like, you add Kenyon Drake because he's a good pass-catching back, which is subjectively, I would argue that Josh Jacobs is a better pass-catching back. Josh Jacobs is, is, was a better pass-catching back in Alabama. He still targets away, still carries away from Josh Jacobs with this Kenyon Drake sign because you're going to have to. You're paying him to probably get five to ten touches a game at least. You're going to lose those Josh Jacobs touches. I, I just can't get on board with it. So let me ask you this, just big picture about the Raiders, because we have seen in the draft they reach on a guy like Cleveland Furl. They seem to be like whoever their guy is, they're taking him no matter where anybody else in the league values him. And we've seen in free agency. Last year it was when Jameis Winston and Andy Dalton signed for like one or two million. They signed Mariota for 11. And now we see with Kenyon Drake, do, do they just have a hard time understanding league value on players, whether it's drafting or free agency? I, I think so. I mean, that's how I would see it. I think the biggest edge in the NFL right now in roster building and decision-making is in positional valuation. Right now, I think that's where the Las Vegas Raiders have had the hardest time, drafting Josh Jacobs, a low-value position in the first round, drafting Jonathan Abram, Fox safety, low-value position in the first round, and not finding 
big-name free agents and overpaying. You, you made Trent Brown the highest-paid offensive tackle two years ago, just to cut him later. You paid LaMarcus Joyner $22 million guaranteed to play a position he did not play in the slot. Now he goes to play free safety for $3.5 million with the Jets. That's the problem, okay? Your positional valuation is wrong, and you're overvaluing players in certain spots, breaking the bank for the wrong players, like um, Tyrell Williams included. I, Antonio Brown, if that whole fallout didn't happen, I do think that they are struggling from a roster-building perspective. Why exactly is the million-dollar question? No, hundred-million-dollar question if you look at that John Gruden contract. <laughs> but regardless, I, I still think the Raiders did some interesting moves. They've improved in a lot of ways. I, I still question so many of the moves they made, though. We're very confused as to each time they make a trade. For whatever reason, they're giving up the value, but they throw in draft picks. We all think that we think that's very strange. <laughs> but what did you think about the value they got back on both uh, Jackson and Hudson? I mean, it seemed like they were going to waive one or both of them, but so they stood around and waited until someone actually offered them stuff. I was stunned. I mean, to say have reports out that you're releasing both Rodney Hudson and Gabe Jackson. You know, Rodney Hudson requesting his release, even willing to take a $3.5 million hit to get out of Las Vegas and still having the leverage to get a third-round pick from Arizona and then a fifth-round pick, I think, from Seattle. That yeah. was good business. Might be the two best trades or decisions Gruden era has made over the past few years because I thought that was really good business. Do you get worse along the offensive line? Absolutely. I don't think Andre James is going to come in, regardless of how well they think he is, and be what Rodney Hudson was. He's been the best pass-blocking center over the past 10 years. Andre James is going to be a downgrade. Who you fill in for Gabe Jackson is going to be a downgrade. Even Trent Brown obviously didn't play a lot last season, but the fact that Brandon Parker, who was a former third-round pick that they traded up for, the first pick of the third round, can't even find the field on what is a battered offensive line right now, that is a concern for me. They're going to have a tough job up front blocking for high-priced backs and Josh Jacobs and Kenyon Drake because I think that offensive line is still the biggest issue now. When they went into the they went into free agency with a ton of holes on defense and somehow come out of it with more holes on offense. <laughs> um, I, on the offensive line, is there – is there anything, too, that, okay, you can maybe go a little cheaper on the offensive line if you trust your quarterback and offensive play callers can kind of scheme around it where you can basically hide that as a problem on your roster? No, absolutely. I, I think the Las Vegas Raiders showed what it looks like or what happens when you chase the ceiling along the offensive line. They paid Gabe Jackson a big contract, obviously signed Rodney Hudson to a big contract, Trent Williams, highest paid offensive tackle, picked Colt Miller in the first round. They went all in. They said, we're going to bring in big names with big money, use a ton of resources to build up the offensive line. When it doesn't work out, though, and your quarterback doesn't live up to expectation behind that offensive line, you end up being in a position where you have to release a lot of those guys or trade a lot of those guys. The opposite side of the spectrum is what the Buffalo Bills have done. Signed Daryl Williams to a modest deal. John Feliciano, former Las Vegas Raider, to a modest deal. Mitch Morse at $11 million per year. Taylor, Mo you know, they, They've done a really good job at – not breaking the bank for any free agent, and just refusing to be bad along the offensive line. They're not good. They're not a top 10, top 5 offensive line, but they're not bad. And I think that's where you need to be as an NFL team. You can get by with an average to above-average offensive line. Where you can't get by is when they're bad. Because the elite offensive lines in the NFL don't dictate the best offenses. It's just the good ones with good quarterbacks. And I think that's where the Raiders need to trend. Okay, so let's go um, Ngakwe, defensive line. Uh, but they've done nothing on the secondary and I don't think any of us are sitting here right now saying, oh, they're a better team than they were in 8-8 eight and eight in the last season. Isn't Gakwe that big of a difference? And it seems like they've just gone journeyman inside. I, I like unique Ngakwe. I think at the price point they got him, I think it's good. I think it'll allow you to pick Cleveland Furl inside more, allow you to work, you know, rotate Max Crosby, ideally Arden Key. He was another draft pick that they hope would pan out. I think you're going to be able to 
rotate guys on the interior. Obviously brought back Jonathan Hankins. Maurice Hurst is well-performed above expectation as a former fifth-round pick. I don't have as much concerns with the defensive line, even though it's still not an obvious strength for the team, as I do in the back end. You know, Jonathan, Jake, uh, uh, Jonathan Abrams is one of the most liable safeties in the NFL. He's going to play better in Gus Bradley's scheme because he'll be in the box so often, but still not a great look there. Eric Harris signs with the Atlanta Falcons. Marcus Joyner cuts. Damon Arnett and Trayvon Mullen, you're going to bank on some development from both those guys. You still don't have a viable slot corner. And when you see league, you know, the best teams in the NFL investing a ton of resource in the secondary, Raiders somehow doing the opposite. And I think Gus Bradley's defense doesn't work if you can't get pressure up front and you can't cover on the back end. Over the past five years, no defensive coordinator has blitzed less than Gus Bradley at 16%. You better get pressure up front, which I'm not sure you can get with Unique Ngakwe, Crosby, etc. And you're going to need to cover on the back end. They don't have a lot of bodies to do that right now. How, how confused is Gus Bradley in the lab right now as he looks out <laughs> and he continues to see who they're signing and he probably thinks, wait a minute, you said you were going to sign guys for me. I mean, you look at where Gus Bradley has had success. Obviously with the Legion of Boom, Richard Sherman, Cam Chancellor, Brandon Browner, Earl Thomas, and then in Los Angeles, Casey Hayward, Desmond King, um, even Jason Barrett when he was there, Derwin James. Like He's had talent in the secondary for a while. And when, he's, when his defense is thriving, he's got Joey Bosa and Melvin Ingram up front. You know, he's got a good, you know, good players on the back end. He's been good when the players have been good. Players aren't good in, in, in Las Vegas right now. The defense needs to get a lot better. We started this you know, interview with Kenyon Drake. Kenyon Drake <laughs> signs for $11 million guaranteed. Shadobi Awuze and Mike Hilton combined signed for 13 and a half, a slot corner and an outside corner. Why aren't the Raiders spending a valuable position? I don't know, but hopefully Kenyon Drake can make up for the losses in the secondary. Um, uh, what do you, maybe that's, a, he's maybe the that's joker, why he's a joker. Yeah. He's probably going to be playing, playing safety. Um, Austin, what do you make of the New England Patriots offseason so far? I would say right now the New England Patriots are the most improved team of any team this offseason with the moves they've made. However, they've paid to be that team. Over $130 million in guaranteed money shelled out to their free agents. It's the second most we've ever seen a team do in a single offseason. And when you see teams spending big money, it oftentimes leads to a lot of cuts and a lot of bad decisions, over-evaluation, overpaying, those things. But when you look at the New England Patriots roster, the only player on that team with a $5 million-plus cap hit in 2022 is Shaq Mason. They haven't drafted well. Full stop. Bill Belichick has not drafted well over the past five to six years. They don't have any players that they've drafted that they're going to look to extend on big money deals, unlike the Saints and other good drafting teams. They were in a position to spend big, and they did. Nelson Aguilar contract's probably the only one where I think they dramatically overpaid. And then the John o. Smith, Hunter Henry contracts are interesting because in the peak of the Rob Gronkowski, Aaron Hernandez era, they ran two tight end sets 59% of the time. No team has cleared 50% since 2011 that year. Are they going to become this two tight end team with Cam Newton? How much success will that have? We'll see. Regardless, I still don't think they're a favorite in the AFC to go to the Super Bowl. They're likely going to be drafting in a lower spot in that 18 to 24 range, depending on how things go. And they don't have a quarterback of the future. To spend all this money without a long-term answer at the quarterback position on a rookie contract is a concern to me. And that's why I think it makes the most sense for them to be a player in this quarterback class, look to trade up to a number four with the Atlanta Falcons, grab a quarterback to develop with Cam Newton, because you're going to be in position next year, very similar to the Chicago Bears and the Washington football team. A damn good football team drafting 18, 19, 20 in the draft, but no quarterback and starting maybe an Andy Dalton or Ryan Fitzpatrick. I want to ask you uh, real quick again about the Raiders. Uh, they've obvi- they've uh, reportedly given Marcus Mariota a choice. They'll bring it down to th- around three, or he can walk. When you see Andy Dalton get 10 and say, they've told me I'm the starter, 
what do you do if you're Marcus Mariota's agent? Do you say, hey, we'll just take our chances. If that guy's getting 10, I can find you more. Or because of ways, you know, back, of course, be, quarterbacks are being paid, you say, you know what, three's not as bad. Like, what do you expect Marcus Mariota to do? I expect him to walk. I mean, taking okay. a $7 million hit in the middle of a pandemic? No, I'm just I'm saying I do think that Marcus Mariota would be wrong to do that when you're seeing you know, guys like Jameis Winston, uh, Andy Dalton, Mitchell Trubisky. Like, you're seeing guys sign for decent money contracts. I think mm-hmm. Marcus Mariota, in that one game he showed, showed enough. And I think there are going to be teams that would want to jump on him. I, I think the Houston Texans are an interesting landing spot. I know they added Terod Taylor, and maybe he's their guy, their contingency plan if Deshaun Watson goes. But Marcus Mariota is another option. If they are indeed exploring conversations around trading Deshaun Watson, having Terod Taylor and Marcus Mariota duke it out could be smart. I think he ultimately walks. I wouldn't take the cut seeing what others are making. That's for sure. Well, he is Austin Gale from Pro Football Focus. Make sure you follow him on Twitter at PFF underscore Austin Gale. Austin, we appreciate it. Thanks, Austin. Of course. Thank you. So, there you go. <laughs> None of us like the Joker. The Joker. None of us I mean, like him. The Joker, in theory, is great. But the Joker the, would he, walk out, work out if he plays safety, too, because then, he, <laughs> then you are a Joker. Things. You yes, are a Joker. You guys, you guys ran over Austin's incredible line that there hasn't been a good Joker since the Dark Knight. Oh. That's a good line. I'll have to give him credit next week. I like that. Give him credit next week. Yes. Well, that's the next time you'll talk to him. He knew. I'll tell you what, man. Everyone knows the Lynn Bowden story. That's right. He was the Joker. He was the Joker. Oh, yeah. All right. We need a new Sharp, yeah, by the way. Um, 702-364-1100 yes. is the number. Uh, amazingly, Nate lost a soccer pick oh. yesterday. Uh, he, he didn't pick a big enough favorite, only minus 250. So we need a new Sharp. 702-364-1100 is the number. Your chance to call in, make a pick, and go on your own streak. 702-364-1100. It's time to find the sharp. Brought to you by PropSwap, where smart sports bettors buy and sell sports bets. Go to PropSwap.com today and find the very best odds. All right, Nate lost yesterday. Arsenal did not come through for him, so his streak was snapped at 6 that's the third longest we have ever had in Find the Sharp. Today, we have Mike. Mike, how are you this morning? Hey, Mike. Hey, what up, guys? How what's, you doing? What's up, man? We're good. All right. Where are you going? What's your pick for the day? Let's get it over with quick. Let's go Florida plus one today. Oh, Florida no, plus okay. one. First game of the day, there I think. Go. Florida plus all right, all right, We got you. Florida plus one and a half is the number yeah, one we'll and give half. you here. Yep. So, Florida plus one and a half. Uh you get that, we'll be talking to you again on Monday. Thanks, Mike. Sounds good. See you, yourself, Mike. See you, see you, brother. So, Florida plus one and a half. That is the game. Well, he's getting Florida. it out of the way. Isn't that the, is that the opener? Florida, Virginia Tech starts okay. uh, 9-15. Quickly. So, yeah. we're so, about 20 minutes away from that. We're about 20 minutes away from this show going completely off the rails. Yes. Do you think we're paying attention after 9.15, Jared? Supposedly, I'm going to give my Yannick and Gokwe takes I've been waiting I, all week to give. Yes, and I actively <laughs> tried to install stuff in the rundown so that you couldn't give them because I would like to start teasing them until, like, okay, it's the preseason. I'm giving my Yannick and Gokwe. Isn't there a chance at 9.15 we can just switch over to National and listen to games? Is there any, would anyone notice? Angel, 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 Tyler, and I can go get something to eat and, like, sit down and watch games. Is that, is that an opportunity there, or that's not going to happen? Jared, I think that's a legitimate request. Well, yeah, I'm not, I'm not even kidding around. I, I, <laughs> do you think I have the power to do that? Yes, we think well, you do. We think you do. I'm not so sure. Don't start switching buttons, because we were on comp this morning, and we didn't know it. So, <laughs> Well, oh, we were on comp? Well, then I didn't uh, fix our problem at all this morning. I, I turned a bunch of stuff off in the point. Uh, 
we've been broadcasting on two different stations all morning. Spectacular. All right. So I think we as Las Vegans officially have a reason to be mad at TJ Otzelberger. I don't know if this is for sure, but I can tell you that when TJ Otzelberger was hired at UNLV, he deactivated his Twitter account. Right? We all yes. we all know that. Yeah. He had, found it, but it had been app, it had been like way he, before that. He had yeah. a Twitter account yeah. when he was at South Dakota State. It's just Coach Otz on Twitter mm-hmm. is what it is. When he got hired at UNLV, it was deactivated. It no longer existed. He wasn't tweeting anything. Coach Otz on Twitter is back up and is running. He back? It is back up and running. Now he's not verified, right? Uh, there's nothing to indicate that this could be a fake, right? This could be a fake account. But he was Coach Otz on Twitter when he was at South Dakota State. That was his account, and now it's back. So what might have happened here is for some reason T.J. Otzelberger deactivated his Twitter account for two years, and it was just the two years he was in Las Vegas. I'm seeing a tweet from Coach Otz 49 minutes ago. Glad to be home. Thank you for the warm welcome, exclamation point. Hashtag. Boy, uh, uh, Starkus would love this guy. Hashtag Cyclone Nation. Cyclone Nation. Wow. I mean, it, it's taking a lot of my, like, it's taking what little self-control I have not to go, like, respond to it with just F you. The, the best part right now would be, since he re- reactivated it, is the first thing he did was that message, and the second thing is he blocked Tyler. Oh, that would be block awesome. Me. That would be block awesome. me. Be awesome. Oh, I need to get That'd blocked by Otzelberger. That'd be great. So he uh, he only follows one person, and it's Iowa State men's basketball, their Twitter account. <laughs> Which he's been following since South Dakota State. <laughs> I mean, well, he was the head coach at ULV. They've been following yeah. him, too. Exactly. He, was, he was the head coach at ULV, and the only one he followed was Iowa State basketball. <laughs> so there, I get a feeling he's always wanted to go back. <laughs> Is this the dumbest thing in sports now that it's basically like, oh, yeah, and in your contract, you're obligated to post on social media? Well, it is the Big 12. Someone might have asked him that. No, I'm serious. Someone might have said, do you have Twitter? Or, or, or they noticed he didn't. Like, I could see that. Like, someone in the athletic department who does marketing or like that at Big 12 school, I could see someone like wondering, like, because when they hired him, I, there's no question like SIDs or marketing probably went to get his Twitter handle. You know, because now everything, your Twitter handle's included in everything now. Your cell phone, everything, your email. So I guarantee someone at Iowa State searched it and realized this guy's been down since he got the UNLV job. Brutal. Ugh. What was he afraid of? He was afraid he'd have to block you. I mean, <laughs> I really think the last two years he believed he was the coach at Iowa State. <laughs> I don't even think he knew he was here. <laughs> so... <laughs> I mean, he was just like, this is a really long summer. <laughs> I mean, it's not as humid here, but boy, this is hot. But uh, why? I, I just, I don't know. To me, the logic of <laughs> I'm leaving South Dakota State to go to UNLV. I can't have a Twitter account at UNLV. But the minute he's gone from yeah, UNLV, he day. can have a Twitter account. Like, I could understand, okay, I'm taking on a big job. I No Twitter. I don't need to be distracted by it. Okay, whatever. But as soon as you take an even bigger job at Iowa State, it's back. The, I, the I, second, the second uh, quote back to him after the tweet is, you sure you want to get on Twitter, Coach? <laughs> as, as a person, I, I will say this about myself. I think... I tweet more about UNLV athletics than anybody, any other media member in Las Vegas. I take this personally. I take this as a shot at me personally that TJ Otzelberger didn't want to be. How on can Twitter you always make stuff years. about you? What? How else would I get this job, Ed? 
I'm a sports talk radio host. Of course it's about me. <laughs> <laughs>